Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Wait, What? <laughs> The story is just so, it freaks me the f*** out. Do it. I don't want to sleep tonight. (laughs) We're not, this episode, we're not going to sleep. (laughs) It's going to be deeply unsettling on many levels. Personally, professionally, sexually. (laughs) Uh, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Wait, what are you I'm joking, uh, Emily. I'm not reading a cryptid erotica this time. Don't you worry. Because that would be where the sexually comes from. Mm-hmm. It's a sexual awakening. Hi, I'm Andrea. <laughs> and I'm Emily. <laughs> and you're listening to... Grizzly. Grapes. <laughs> Wait, Andrea. Can we try what? that again? Oh, my God. <laughs> Hi, I'm Andrea. And I'm Plow Meat. <laughs> and you're listening to Grizzly Grapes. <laughs> wow, how unconventional. I know, we're really switching it up. I know. <laughs> never, have them never see your, you know, what's coming next. Yeah, keep them guessing. Never let your enemies see your next move. That's us, mm-hmm. you know. Well, Emily, it has not been that exciting of a week for me. I don't know about you, but I'm feeling 22. You know what? It hasn't been, like, a huge week, but I feel like there's been little things that's happened that feels like, you know, big, big moments. Does that make sense? <laughs> okay, I'm going to apologize to the void because I'm running on zero sleep. And lately, I have had a mental breakdown every single Friday. And so I'm waiting tomorrow. Tomorrow <laughs> is my time. Right on time. <gasps> okay, I watched the, the like latest um, episodes added to Stranger Things. Oh, girl. Okay, I don't want to spoil it for the void. But like, if you haven't watched it by now, what are you doing? Um, but anyway, there's like... There's, like, a trope where, like, the, you know, the end is near for certain people, and, like, mm-hmm. they know the time frame. It's, like, it's like the ring, where it's, like, seven days. That's yep. what I feel like, where, like, tomorrow is my day, and Samora is gonna come crawling out of my TV. 
And she's going to be crawling out of your computer screen yeah. while you're watching Netflix. Like crawling out of my, no, when I, while I'm at work, because, you know, or like just after work, she's going to come crawling out of my, my computer screen and tell me to have a little anxiety attack. She's like, it's your time. And then you kick her and she does a backflip into the well. <laughs> yes, I will. This is Sparta, her into the well. And then the team, uh, you will slide on the plank and then knock me back. <laughs> I know that that was supposed to be scary, but I have never laughed harder at a horror movie in all my life. Except for, I mean, well, it was that scene. That scene made me laugh so hard. I feel like that was the first scene when we realized like that you can find really humorous moments within horror and we just decided to roll with it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and maybe that's how we ended up here what else have you been up to this week eating cottage cheese (laughs) (laughs) eating a whole can of mandarin oranges in one sitting oh my god i have gotten back in i feel like every time not every time but almost every time we're on here we have like another food fetish <laughs> I can describe it. Um, I'm back on I am back on my radish kick <laughs> no that was the worst kind of kick no but like hear me out I bought the um <laughs> like there's like this whipped cheese <laughs> is it whipped whip. feta yo play whipped cheese no it's more hmm. like like a, a goat <laughs> Um, what you do is you cut, you slice up the radishes so it's like a chip, like a chip form, like thick enough where it's still crunchy, but thin enough that you can like dip it. And you're not just sticking an entire radish into it. No, you don't stick an entire radish. But anyway, my new kick, I have gone through, I was on a a yogurt kick for a while. Women in yogurt commercials. (laughs) That was me in the morning. But now, okay, I've rediscovered my love of cottage cheese, but hear me out, hear me out. With chives. Oh. I cannot find it, like, prepackaged here, but I can find cottage cheese, and I dice, I I take my scissors to, like, a bundle of chives and throw that baby into my cottage cheese. Oh, yes, (sighs) I I don't know why that just reminded me of something. So I have a really dumb question for the void, and if somebody can please just answer it, because I I'm too nervous to give it a try. But also, I kind of ripped one off the other day and took a little sniffy sniff, and it seems like I may be correct. But are green onions just the tops of actual onion plants, like the green part of onion plants? Am I stupid, Andrew? <laughs> yeah scallions green onions yeah Yeah. i ripped off a top of one of the onions i'm growing on the roof and took a little sniff and it's it it smells smells just like a green onion (laughs) so am i dumb or am i not dumb to be honest i don't i don't actually know is it like the same the same type is it just an onion that hasn't reached its full form yet well, it's almost, I mean, they're massive. They're huge. The little green sticky parts, the 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 green onion in question, the alleged green onion that, like, is very it's tall. Green. green. It's green. It's green. Yes. It's green and it's tall and thin 
It looks like a green onion. Maybe I should cut up one and stick it in my cottage cheese and find out. Fuck around okay. and find out. But bro, that is not chives. No, I know chives are different, but they have chives are my rider flavor. Die. I also because I bought a bunch of I bought a huge thing of chives for the cottage cheese. I also made because I had smelled it everywhere. I I'm not kidding you. It's like that 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 dream. I don't know how to say it. It's like that craving that follows you everywhere, and it just pops up in random places and reminds you that it's there. It's like this little demon. Mm-hmm. I smelled garlic bread around every corner and I was starving because I had the only thing I had eaten that entire day was like half a salad because I was so crazy. It was so busy with work. And I, on my walk home, I smelled garlic bread. I kid you not at every corner and that's all (laughs) I wanted. So I bought myself like the cheapest bread, like baguette I could find. And I sliced that baby up slapped some butter and I roasted like a whole head of garlic and I chopped some chives on there and (gasps) you and chives have a very special relationship and I'm not gonna lie I feel like my relationship I mean I feel a little bit threatened between that and the radishes I don't know who has a stronger relationship Mm. probably not me yeah there's only like so much room in my heart um and I think it's it might all reserved for food. And it's reserved for radishes and chives <laughs> and garlic bread. Um, you should put that, you know, like if you if you go on a date and somebody is like, oh, what are your passions? Just go radishes and chives. Radishes and chives. And like the sad thing is too, like in in the dating world, like, you know. There's only so much love in my heart. And I gotta say, the number one man in my life is our dog. Oh, jeez, you poo. He's, I'm, I'm not gonna lie, he's the love of my life. He's and straight up neurotic. I, I tell that, I tell that to people and, and guys. I tell that to guys I go on dates with. This is why I'm, I'm single. <laughs> um, and I think they feel threatened by this dog. And maybe by chives. I mean, I would. But you're my twin. Oh, also, you're kind of intimidating. What? You know? You're kind of intimidating. Me? Like, how can anybody beat well, my literal other half? Except for my love of food. <laughs> Except for radishes. Except uh, for an radishes. entire bag of radishes. <laughs> I made myself sick. <laughs> um. Yeah, I feel like growing up, with a twin the the whole dating scene i think men often felt intimidated by the relationship that you and i had i think almost every single person we've ever dated dare i say in our lives has at one point or another been slightly intimidated by our relationship and how close we are yeah i don't know if like i've ever i don't know i'm trying to think about like a relationship apart from like the ones i've had here because they've never met you um well I mean, they should feel my telepathic love from afar for you. Yeah. <gasps> Can I, did I ever tell this story, Andrea? I don't know. Did you? <laughs> <laughs> About when we were in Dublin? Mm. When you were in Dublin and I came to visit you and we were out and... <laughs> did I tell this story? Should I, I tell this know. story? You can if you want. Okay. No so, one listens to this except for family. Yeah. So. <laughs> Just kidding. Um... <laughs> 
we were out with Cameron. Shout out, Cameron. Hey. Oh, are you, oh my God. Are you talking about that time? Because. Yes. Haha. Perfect timing because those pictures popped up on Facebook. Exactly. Reminding me of our debauchery. Okay. So we had decided to go out. You know, we were all in Dublin. And I swear, I don't think I've ever. I mean, we've had like our, you know, all my friends are dead parties. But I don't think I've ever had so much drink my entire life other than that night but like in a good way where I paced myself but oh my god (laughs) um and I think that it could be said for a lot like almost everybody there and we decided just before we entered the gay club to call our dearest grandmother (laughs) (laughs) um this is all sorry Lou (laughs) sorry Lou um (laughs) anyway we, we we decided to just like sit down at this one bar and get some drinks before we like actually like went hard, went hard, and we we should have not gotten those extra drinks because we didn't need them, and we thought that we it was a good idea to call our grandmother and tell her how much we love her, but anyway, that's not the story. <laughs> the story is we show up at this uh this one bar later that night, and it was it was really cool actually from what I can remember. <laughs> oh yeah no it was like really neat the whole like basement idea the whole setup was kind of cool and then i just remember the end of the night we were all like singing some song that i didn't know the words to because it was very irish but anyway (laughs) can i tell this Uh, yeah give the backstory (laughs) well you keep going then i'll cut out whatever i don't deem appropriate (laughs) okay so there is this one guy (laughs) Oh, I think I know where this is going. <laughs> <laughs> that Andrea was seeing at the time, and like I don't know, it was like in its infancy, I guess. Most certainly, yes. Yeah, you guys were very like you were just friendly, and I took that as a sign that he was very interested in my sister for some reason, and you know wanted to assert my my twin dominance. In fairness. I was very interested, so I think you were like, oh, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, oh, boy, I gotta, like, stand up for what is right and fight for your right to party, Andrea. Yeah, granted, I was on a much higher level (laughs) in those regards, Mm. but hey. But to be fair, he met us for a night out, and we were having a great time. He was in matching clothing to Cameron, and we took some cute pictures outside. And anyway, so, like, I had a moment alone with him in the night. I think, Andrew, you went to go grab us more drinks. And I <laughs> I yell over this, like, blaring music. I was like, I, I can't say his name, can I? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm going to say it, but can you bleep out his name? Yeah, okay. Okay, I said, she's my whole world. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> And I repeated it a second time. She's my whole world. <laughs> there you go. Oh. I mean, who does that for you, truly, if it's not your identical twin? <laughs> yeah. It's like, I hope everybody has someone out there who will fight for them. Who will fight for their right to party. <laughs> who will fight for their right to party. Who will fight for their right to have a kiki. <laughs> oh, Yeah. Well, you know, it all worked out in the end because guess what? That ended and now I'm engaged to someone else. (laughs) (laughs) 
also met in Dublin. Yes, true. Can I just say I'm really excited for your wedding? I'm very excited myself. Oh, wait, Andrew, what happened to you this week? Sorry, I just commandeered that entire thing. No, that's okay. So, my week... Uneventful as it almost always is these days, I gotta start writing shit down because stuff happens and I always think I'm gonna remember, but the you know, the Prevagen is only now starting to kick in. So <laughs> I love you sent me a message the other day. What does it say? Prevagen has changed my life or something like that. Oh my god, it has. Memory clear. Thoughts. Does it really make that much of a difference? Well, to me, it does. I think it might be a placebo effect. Or, you know what? It might just mean that, you know, my depression medication and everything, I'm on the right-ish amount. I also went down on my nighttime meds. I think I brought that up in another episode. I had a whole mental health rant, but there is this one... There's this one medication for like PTSD that you take at night. It's like a blood pressure medication and it helps with nightmares. It is the wildest experience I've ever had where you have a nightmare, but it doesn't feel like a nightmare. You wake up and you're like, oh, maybe I should have been scared and you weren't. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's so, so bizarre. But one of the issues I was running into was I I would wake up the next day and feel really really out of it for at least an hour or so and then I'd kind of have some like foggy like I'd have a lot of brain fog so I went back down and it feels a lot better which is good but (laughs) homegirl has been falling asleep to watching the Gacy tapes on Netflix I don't know how but I fall asleep to it (laughs) it's like a lullaby (laughs) for the sick and twisted yeah I mean, I I don't know that I necessarily have gotten a lot of, like, new information from it on that case, but it is really interesting, and the input from all the different, you know, all the different major players in it is really interesting, so highly recommend. But I guess one funny little tidbit that happened to me this past week was I have what I called on (laughs) a FaceTime call with Emily, I was wearing it. My little white moo moo. <laughs> <laughs> little moo moo. It, it's almost like a moo moo, but not. But it's it, it's like a white flouncy sort of summery dress with no defined waist, and it has pockets, so that's great. Which but it's very comfortable, right? Yes, it's very comfortable, and I figure you know I can kind of dress it up a bit, make it a little more like worky because it's not short; it goes down to my knees basically. <laughs> So I was like, okay, you know, it's super, super hot in New York City today. I'll wear it. I get into the city. Little did I realize that the wind was going to be absolutely terrible that day. I mean, terrible. And this Mumu has, you know, the wherewithal to fly up (laughs) on me, of all people. So I am clutching the dress. I put both my phones my work phone and my personal phone in my pockets to try and weigh it down but basically at the end I have to kind of pull it across my legs so I don't flash everybody behind me and I was like oh yeah this is all fine and dandy so I was going to see somebody and I ended up you know in like the Chinatown area and I'm standing there and there's all this traffic backed up to the Manhattan Bridge and I'm standing there and I'm talking to somebody 
and some truck driver pulls up, honks his horn and yells something out the window at me. And I was like, oh God, I'm being catcalled. And you know, it wasn't the first time that that had happened in the day. I didn't really get catcalled like that per se, but I was getting a lot of attention. And I was like, wow, for an ugly ass little moo moo. I was like, wow, I must be like doing something real right. Like maybe my makeup's on fleek. I don't know. Maybe the mystery of <laughs> no, the moo moo has, the mystery of the moo moo has really, you know, enchanted all these people. Yeah. Little did I realize when I got home and I was trying to understand the mystery of the moo mm-hmm. myself, no. I did the same thing of where I pulled my like dress tight like around my legs so it wouldn't fly up and I thought I was wearing you know an appropriate color underneath I guess not and let's just say the undergarments were visible (laughs) no not extremely but just ever so slightly and I was like okay maybe that's why (laughs) enough that it peeks out yeah so in all my attempts not to flash people it happened anyway unfortunately oh my goodness you win some you lose some you gave them a good show i did it's like when you got your your dress fitted oh i told that story right on here i must have yeah you did yeah, yeah you my did. tata got flashed in front of the entire store but emily i do have a very very quick New Year. New Year? I have a very quick New Year for you. I have a very quick (laughs) New York nightmare catalog. I have two stories for you. I'm curious about this, actually. Yeah. I feel like I haven't heard much. I scour, but they're all so depressing that I just get really discouraged. So it's only when a few things come up every now and then. Yeah. Thank you for, for sparing us. It's depressing enough out there. But um, one of them actually was a case suggestion by Nick, but there's not enough information on it so far, so I can't turn it into an entire case. But I will give you a little dibble-dabble of it. But we'll start off with the first one. So, Emily, buckle in. Click. A man on Madison Avenue in the Manhattan neighborhood of Carnegie Hill reportedly assaulted a woman in Starbucks with a bouquet of flowers. Yes. What? Someone called 911 to say this woman got hit in the face with fresh flowers. (laughs) The man fled the scene on one of those impossibly heavy city bikes. Which, on a side note... Uh, at a kickball game the other day, I watched a gaggle of young foreign women try try desperately and fail to navigate the city bikes in Central Park. They're so heavy. Just warning you. It's so people don't steal them. Because we live in a city of crime. Where's Batman when you need him? Or Spider-Man? <laughs> Wait, is Gotham? Is Gotham, like, based off of New York City? Is this a dumb question? <laughs> Another dumb question. <laughs> Um, I feel like it's based off of New York. Yes, Emily. So New York, uh, yeah, New York, Gotham, Gotham is New York City, basically. Gotham is New York because New York is fucked up. Yeah, it's kind of where all these superhero movies like start or end. It's either that or LA. So that tells you something. (laughs) 
No, but I feel like like the majority of them are in New York, right? <laughs> I guess it's kind of fun to do these special effects like of, you know, tall buildings being destroyed and like taxi cabs mm. and all that jazz. To be honest, yeah. I feel like I'd have a, I'd have, I would have a fun time destroying New York City in a film. Anyway, so this is the <laughs> this is the case suggestion from Nick. At the end of last month, St. Augustine's Roman Catholic Church, otherwise known as the Notre Dame of Park Slope in Brooklyn, was defiled when someone broke in just after dinner time, when it was still light out, and decapitated the angel statues and then stole a golden tabernacle worth $2 million. That's like... $2.3 million in today's money with inflation. I'm joking. Yeah, (laughs) 2.3. Wow. Mm -hmm. The communion items kept in the tabernacle, including the, oh my God, what are they called? The the wafers for Jesus. (laughs) Um, The wafers for Jesus. I feel like it, it starts with an E. If I type in wafers to Jesus, or for Jesus in my Google... I don't think that'll work. Um, wait. Prevagen, do your thing. Eucharist. The yes! Eucharist. <laughs> wait, but I just looked. One of the questions that came up was, what is the Jesus wafer called? <laughs> it's the Eucharist, right? I was right? Yeah, it's Eucharist. Hell yeah. Well, those Jesus wafers were strewn about the altar. Good thing it wasn't the wine. The tabernacle is one of the most expensive in the nation and was kept in an electronically sealed safe, which was said to be, quote, burglar proof, end quote. But in my mind, it was about as burglar proof as the Titanic was unsinkable, so. Oh boy. Yep. But anyway, it is a heinous and calculated crime. This person must have cut some sort of security or cut uh, whatever electronic lines to this whatever safe. They had some sort of, you know, James Bond-esque way of getting into the safe and stealing said tabernacle. So I don't know. Cold and calculated. So if you're the turd that stole the tabernacle, please, for the love of, as we say, cheese and rice, please, for the love of cheese and rice, Return it to its rightful home, God's home, the church. Bless it. Blessed be the fruit. Blessed be the fruit that is the Jesus wafer. <laughs> Those are my favorite part of church. That's probably sacrilegious to say, but... <laughs> the Jesus wafer, Andrea, that was the most disgusting part because it tasted like paper. Yeah, but I liked it when it stuck to the roof of my mouth and I had to spend 30 minutes just trying to use my saliva to get it off. It reminds me of like, you know, when dogs eat peanut butter and they're like, yes! <laughs> Forget the Kong toys. That's what I imagine you with the Jesus wafer. Yeah, that was me with the Jesus wafer. It tasted like in my mouth. literal cardboard. I used to like put it and then immediately use my tongue and just stick it to the roof of my mouth and then just spend like half an hour just like trying to get it off. <laughs> and using like my tongue as a shovel, plow meat. Um, to oh. get it off. <laughs> full circle here. Yeah, full circle. But yeah, that's it for the New York Nightmare catalogs thus far. 
I am curious. Yeah, I'm curious to see what happens with that. If there's any needs, can you keep us updated? I will try my darndest. So far, I don't have anything more for you. Make a note of that. All right. Make it. I'll have to do a Google alert. You know when you can get alerted. Yes, please. Hence the name Google alert. (laughs) (laughs) Hence, hence the name. If you couldn't, um, tabernacle. If you couldn't glean that from the name Google Alert, then yeah, it alerts you of whatever you want, really. Well, Emily, what wine are you drinking tonight? I picked this wine literally just because of the name. I was feeling a wee bit homesick. I'm just just ready to like visit, you know? Anyway, so I was looking for my usual white, my usual white wine, and I I found, I don't think I've really had this type of wine. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, so I don't normally drink this wine that often, but it's called Muscadet. What is it's that? Loire. Loire Valley, baby. And cool. this one is called Sevre and Maine. Is it spelled with an E at the end? Let me send this to you, baby. Oh. But anyway, yes, it does have an E at the end. Um, For a good old shout out. I love how this is like. Oh. Yeah. Because did you know that Maine is also a region in France? Is it really? Um, is that why Maine is called Maine? I never understood why. That? I just figured that they were like, oh, we've hit the mainland. And then they decided to call it Maine and then add an E. Yeah, that's what I thought because fancy. it was like. <laughs> that's what I thought because it's like the most easternmost point basically but anyway um they actually don't know why they call it maine they think maybe that's one of the reasons but it's they they cannot confirm nor deny Hmm. there's also basically like a university of maine in france umo oh is this an orino yeah you main orino go fighting beavers (laughs) yeah i think they're the black bears right yeah you means black bears. Go black bears. Um. Anyway, so the the you mean UMO black bears brood or not brood? <laughs> <laughs> they fermented these grapes. They have fermented these grapes. The black bears have stomped the grapes themselves. Um, this would be the fruit. For... <laughs> <laughs> it has blessed us with twelve percent. Oh, that's a nice modest wine. Modest. I feel like that's very, you know, standard. Twelve percent is 
very standard and I like it. So I was, I had a hiccup. <laughs> I was torn between this wine and one that I really want to get for next week, so I'm not going to spoil it. But anyway, this one is recommended as an aperitif or um, with crustaceans and fish. Um, that I'm, sounds just about right with Maine, Maine lobster. Maine, what? I know, exactly. But I'm drinking this as an aperitif because at almost one in the morning because I have no life. <laughs> I'm still a piece of garbage. Andrea, what are you drinking? Well, I too chose this wine, much like I always do, based on the name and the name alone. And I am sticking with the main theme. But not in the way that you think. So let me just start by saying it says rosé, specifically rosé of Pinot Noir. So I guess it's Pinot Noir grapes. It's not. Oh, it's not. (laughs) It's not a white and red mixed together. It is a red grape where you remove the red grape mixed with the white (laughs) grape. What's the beautiful fruit? That weird wine you got? Yes. It was that was that the bagged wine? I can't remember, but I think it was the bagged wine. It's very nondescript. Alright, Emily. So oh, we're gonna get swickening because this is Swick Wines Rose. The Swick. Swick. It's not It is swick. called it's called Swick Wines, and I will send you a picture right now. Was it brewed in the very Swick and OOB? Okay, for those of you who do not know, there is a uh, a playground for arsonists close by us. And it's called Old Orchard Beach. And it is a beach, <laughs> yes. And it has a place called the Pier. And the Pier is quite like, possibly... The main version, it's like the main version of Jersey Shore, basically. Yes, that is the best way to put it. But there is also a bar, if you go farther down, that's called the Brunswick, or the Swick for short. I think most notably called the Swick. <laughs> I don't know anybody that says, I'm going to the Brunswick. I'm yeah. going to the Brunswick. I'm going to the Swick. I'm going to the Speak. But let's get Swickening. <laughs> let's get Swickening. So, yeah. So there's a bar that exists called the Swick. And for whatever reason that I cannot explain, our family is somehow a little bit obsessed with it. Like I have a I have a, a Swick t-shirt, which I bought with my very own money. And then <laughs> we got Nick uh, a Swick shirt for a wedding present, but we got it signed by, I can't remember his name, but it's a wannabe rapper out of Maine who worked like security at the Swick. <laughs> Stop, wait, I'm gonna remember who it is. It's um, Sugarbox. What? Isn't it Sugarbox? It's Sugarbox, yes. <laughs> His name's Sugarbox. So, yeah, uh, go look him up. It's great. <laughs> but we got a t shirt signed. Prevagen, do your work. <laughs> Prevagen. <laughs> Power up Prevagen. Yeah. Um, so, if you're ever in Maine and if you ever wanna go to the Jersey Shore, of Maine, go to Old Orchard Beach where you can find a bunch of old Canadian men who are leathery and wearing Speedos. And then you can also go to a very trashy area, which is the Pier. Hey. Okay, but the Pier Fries slap. I'm sorry, the Pier Fries are the best fries you can possibly get 
I will die on that hill. Just like I will die on the hill that Swick is <laughs> the Swick is the best bar ever. <laughs> you can get okay, like you rum that. buckets and then they slap. So fight okay. me. But if you say that, you're like you could be straight garbage. But in the best way possible. Oh, I know I'm straight garbage, so that's fine with me. Like, but, I feel like if you say something like that, you know that you're hot, hot garbage, but you've come to terms with it. You've just accepted that you're just a dumpster fire of steaming, hot, bubbling garbage. <laughs> is that what your wine is? It smells like New hot York City streets on a hot summer day. <laughs> no, uh, Well, in fairness, I'll, I'll get into it. But first, it is a 12.8. Five percent, and it is from like slightly better than mine. Yes, it is originally from Emily the Willamette or Willamette Valley in Oregon. If you will remember from the shoe fetish killer episode we did, and I Stop. had the sixth sense, which led me to that region, and that's where he would. It's calling you back. It's brought me back. I didn't even look for, like I didn't even look where it was from. I just saw Swick, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but it is a 2021 vintage, so not a 2020. Like the first COVID, I know this one tastes like. I feel like that's weird. That is weird. This one tastes like a little bit of hope and a lot of despair. So, and by that I mean it is very sour tasting like it just it comes across like bitter for a rosé like you're drinking vinegar almost I don't know how to put it other than that you know just maybe maybe it's off I don't know but it's um it's not the best rosé I've ever had but it's certainly not the worst would I buy it again probably not because I have my tried and true favorites which is like red new and um and boggle and um decoy i love those ones so i would not venture out and try this one again of all the rosés in the world but you can give it a try oh it's fun oh wait can i just say something about my wine yes i forgot to say the actual name of the like the people who make this oh i oh my god i forgot i also really liked this because i thought it looked like mace so it's like (laughs) you're drinking it's called main messy That's that. I just feel like I could not sleep if I didn't. Did not actually tell you where I got this from. Speaking of not sleeping, we've got some stories. Do we ever? Do you know who's first this week? Is it me? Am I the problem? Yeah, because I fell asleep last week. (laughs) (laughs) And the truth has been spoken because, listen, I'm cutting that out of that episode. So it's going to seem like you're awake. I fell asleep three times, at least three times, and you woke me up every single time. And I was so mad the last time. I was like, "Let me sleep." I was sitting in my chair. My head was drooped over my armrests. I'm just picturing you like like sleeping, like you're on a plane, like where you're just like head is to one side and you're just like drooling a little bit, you know. But it's even worse because, like, I'm in a, like, a broken down office chair. <laughs> like, every time I sit in it, it sinks. It just goes down. But, like, it's, like, falling apart. And, like, I, my armrests are really low. So I had, like, draped one leg over one armrest. And then, like, my body was just, like, broken in half over the other. 
and I was drooling. Yeah, so Emily fell asleep during the last episode. Um, please write in and tell her how wrong she was to do that. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It was, it was so also like three o'clock in the morning, so alas. It was juicy content though. Please just appreciate the dedication to the cause because I know we're only really recording once every two weeks now, but listen, but work- the dedication, the heart, it's there. It's there. Please take pity upon me. <laughs> don't hate me. I don't stay up late, but I do run as fast as I can from the past station until I'm literally sweating bullets. And that's about all I can contribute. And then my my hours on the weekends and random days during the week that are not so busy to edit, that's about all I can contribute. Yeah, we're working across a few time zones and doing our best. A six or seven hour flight away. I could drive if I want to. And what can you do? Drive across the Atlantic? I think not. <laughs> I will drive into the Atlantic. <laughs> I will ghost ride my vehicle off the white plains or <laughs> white whatever. The white cliffs of Dover. That's what I meant. <laughs> that's in the UK. I will ghost drive my car over the white cliffs of Etretat and ghost ride into the ocean. I was just picturing you take the tunnel though and then you just ghost ride a car off the white cliffs of Dover. Yeah, but like that's kind of out of the way, you know? I don't think Ghost ride your car off the cliffs of Moor. (laughs) Off the cliffs of Moor. I'm gonna ghost ride my car off the cliffs of Moor. Actually, mm, I would be driving to Dover to ghost ride my car over the cliffs of Dover just to go back in the direction of France. (laughs) Okay, the Cliffs of Moor it is. That's settled. Okay. Well. So the Cliffs of Moor. So yeah, I'm first this week, correct? All right, Emily. I'm going to need you to put on your big girl belt because you will be fully unsettled. And perhaps if I'm lucky, you may just crap your pants. Because this one had me shook. So I am doing the Sierra Sounds. Oh. I don't think I've heard of this one before. I hadn't until just the other day. And I was like, how have I gone this long in my true crime loving life to not have heard this until only recently? So I got pretty much all my information from our dear friend, and he will pop up again, Ron Moorhead. And so I was reading his book, Voices in the Wilderness. Or you can get a lot of information from his website, which is ronmoorhead.com. He has clips, spoiler alert, of the Sierra Sounds. So, With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
And he is like the main one to credit for that. So if you're ever going to listen to the sounds beyond this, I highly recommend because there is like 40 minutes worth. And I'm only going to do a little teeny tiny snippet. Spoiler alert. Um, So if you want to listen to 40 minutes of this, which honestly I kind of do, but I kind of don't because I'm scared. Um, please go check out his website, which again is rodmorehead.com. I also have to credit uh, my dear wannabe friend on YouTube, Mr. Ballin, <laughs> who does a bunch of like creepy uh, and true crime episodes on YouTube. And then also shout out to the fellow podcast, The Basement Hangout, because I actually interview Ron Moorhead and their episode is very insightful. So I did reference them in this. So with that being said, let's get into the Sierra sounds. So the Sierra Nevada is not just a good, light, and refreshing beer. It is a mountain range spanning 400 miles through the western United States and actually runs into Mexico a bit. So it spans through California and it hugs the Great Basin, which is a basin that spans the vast majority of Nevada and portions of Utah, Idaho, Oregon, and Wyoming. The name Sierra Nevada translates to literally snowing mountains. And that it is. Unlike its surrounding geography, the Sierras sustain a substantial amount of snowfall each year. Carved from granite by glacial ice, the peaks are extremely jagged and rocky. The highest of these peaks is actually Mount Whitney, standing at 14,505 feet tall. The Sierras are home to many notable features, which attract hikers, fishers, and hunters. Our true story begins at a remote hunting camp, which was first established in the late 1950s, but our story will take place mostly in the 1970s. This particular camp was once a well-kept secret, nestled deep into the rugged wilderness of the Sierras. Only a few people knew where this campsite was and how to access it. In order to actually access it, one would need to hike roughly eight miles up steep terrain into the mountains. It's extremely easy to walk by without noticing it if you did not know it's there. Something seemingly unremarkable. It is just slightly more than a fire pit and a few logs. But from the campsite, hidden amongst the trees, there is a stunning view of the valley below. It was the hunting season of 1971 when the small elite of local hunters made their way to the remote campsite. It was to be a season just like any other, and the deer were plentiful up in that region, so the hikers must have been truly excited. The only main concerns with this trip were the usual risks of trekking into the vast wilderness and, of course, bears. 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 The humane black bears. Go bears. (laughs) As they were hunting, they were armed to the teeth, and so they were not too concerned with encountering a bear. Because of this, they were not too concerned when, in the pitch black of night, they heard the grunting of a large animal in the distance. 
They stopped to listen to the noise to confirm it was indeed a bear. But what they heard that night stalking in the dark woods around their campsite could not be a bear nor any other creature that they had ever come across. What the men had heard that night terrified them so much that one of the hunters named Donald up in GTFO'd, he yeeted himself off the mountain that morning, leaving only a note behind to inform the others that he had gone back down. Donald left behind two of his close friends and his brother-in-law, Bill. But Donald, as soon as he got back down the mountain, absolutely quaking with fright, he asked one of his friends named Ron Moorhead to hike back up with him. Donald warned him about what he had heard, but Ron was intrigued. Ron is a self-professed adventurer, and you cannot take that title away from him because, God, he loves hiking, hunting, diving, flying airplanes, etc. He doesn't shy away from the great unknown. In fact, he straight up embraces it. So when Donald asked him to accompany him up back into the Sierra Nevada, Ron jumped at the chance. When they arrived, they found the other men packing up to leave visibly disturbed by what they had heard the night prior. They had spent the additional nights cradling their fully loaded firearms, huddled in a makeshift primitive wooden shelter with a door that could be secured shut with a piece of rope to protect them from large predators, like bears or whatever this was. Bill showed Donald and Ron an 18-inch footprint, no claws, Within the camp perimeter. So they actually had plaster of Paris at some point up there. And they started casting the footprints as well. So that's a fun fact. Two of the friends, brothers Warren and Louie, returned several days later. They had not only armed themselves with their guns, but with a cassette tape recorder to record the strange and disturbing noises this creature made, hoping for some clarity as to what it was. During this trip, they were able to capture the first ever sounds of this creature on tape. Psych, I'm not playing it yet. (laughs) Oh my god, I was so ready. It's coming, just you wait, but it needs a lot more context. Oh my god, before you listen to it. Because if you listen to it just as is, you're going to be like, what the actual? And that's the noise of the Bigfoot. Oh my god, Bigfoot? I didn't realize we were here in the room right now. Come here. Bigfoot? Bigfoot, you needy bitch. Come here. Bigfoot has left the building. (laughs) Warren wrote a letter to the founder of the Society for the Investigation of the Unexplained, Dr. Ivan Sanderson, outlining the events that the group had experienced up in the Sierra Nevada. Warren's letter then fell into the hands of a cryptid researcher from Oregon, Peter Byrne. Peter then reached out to an investigative journalist, Alan Berry, based in Redding, California, to interview the group of hunters about their experience. So it's like telephone. Yeah, this heard, this guy heard some like grunting and whistling and like weird sounds, but hey. Whistling like my nose? <laughs> um, Probably. <laughs> Although it doesn't, it's so weird. It's like whistling that doesn't sound like when you 
try. It's like something that sounds like you're whistling from your vocal cords. I don't know how to put it. Am I going to hear this later? I mean, I can try and play the whistling too, but. I'm so curious. This one, this one it was like the most disturbing audio that I've heard. Other than the very, very aggressive sounds that they made. I don't understand it. Okay. Alan met with the hunters in the winter of 1971 and following his conversations was invited up to the campsite to see or hear for himself. And that is exactly what he did, joining the group up in the mountains in the spring of 1972. The men set up camp, clearing debris, which they talked about how some parts of the campsite were a little bit, you know, destroyed ever so slightly. And they're like bears, question mark, or whatever this is, question mark. And the fixing of their wooden emergency shelter. They then settled down into their sleeping bags for the night. The men set up cameras in the woods, hoping to capture an image of the creature. However, due to the fact that they were strictly nocturnal, it was almost impossible to actually get an image in the dark. And stranger still was the fact that three of the cameras had been intentionally destroyed. The men had even previously set up food traps in the camp. So when the food was touched cans or other items that were super loud would make a lot of noise and wake them up. However, when this did actually happen, they quickly left their tents as fast as they possibly could. And when they flicked on their flashlights, they found that the food was gone, but there was no sight of any creature, no disturbance, no nothing. It was just all gone. And they had like put out like fruit punch Not a drop was spilled. What? Blessed be thy fruit of the punch. And it was not spilled. What? Mm Mm-hmm. It was late in the night when the vocalizations began again deep in the woods. The men had set up recording devices in the shelter for when the time came, and they certainly got more than they bargained for. Nothing shone in the firelight but they could hear multiple creatures circling the camp with some manic chattering noises. The men were terrified, but carefully hit record on their devices and sat in silence. Their silence did not last, however, as eventually over the years, the men began to attempt to imitate the creature's vocalizations to prompt it to continue or to communicate. And the creature did respond, almost as if it was trying to have a conversation. These events inspired Ron to continue his research into whatever these beings were. Both he and Bill would return for years and years following their first contact, recording audio and trying to understand what it could possibly be. For Ron, he had been studying this entity for 40 years. 40 years? Yeah. That's some dedication, bro. Yeah. In 1974, he managed just once to catch a flash of the creature in the dark. But it wasn't crashing through the brush, despite it moving impossibly fast. It was running gracefully, almost as if it was gliding Much of the audio Ron recorded was unfortunately lost in a house fire in 1976, but Alan Barry still had his recordings. 
Alan was a skeptic at first, desperately searching for a logical explanation for these sounds. He thought it had to be some sort of hoax at first, but was quickly disproved. In an attempt to get answers, the group tried multiple times to have an expert linguist evaluate the tapes to provide insight into what the F was out there in this Sierra Nevada. Because it was big, it was hairy, it was pink. I'm just kidding. (laughs) For those of you who know Spongebob, you know that quote. But it was not the Alaskan bullworm, but it was pretty big and it was pretty hairy. It was probably not pink. But Alan was able to find a professor at the University of Wyoming and who was also a very accomplished cryptolinguist. And his name was R. Lynn Curlin, which throws me off because his middle name, Lynn, is spelled the same way mine is. (laughs) So I was like, yes, badass woman. And then I saw a picture of him and I was like, oh. And then they said he. And I was like, oh. Lynn. Okay, R. Lynn. Okay. R. Lynn Curlin was willing to take on this challenge. For much of the duration of 1978, this professor and his student, Lassie Hertel, carried out detailed assessments of the tapes. Like for an entire year, they were assessing these tapes. Oh, wow. Their findings in, you know, summation, there's a lot more that goes into it. But in summation, here are some of the major findings. The tapes were not doctored in any way, which is extremely important. They were not pre-recorded and slowed down they were not whatever whatever have you there were genuine audio recordings whatever happened in these audio audio recordings happened the way they did it found that whatever made these noises has a much greater range than that which is capable capable of a human being so like high pitch low pitch and then also just range Like, the volume in which it can speak is pretty remarkable. And then, lastly, whatever made these noises is much larger than a human being. And you'll see why that's super unsettling for a moment. But the fact that this could not possibly be a human being is unsettling in many ways. But following this, someone named Nancy Logan... I almost said Lancy Nogan. (laughs) Nancy Logan, a human sound expert, reviewed the tapes in the early 1990s. Nancy, who is certified in multiple languages, concluded that the vocalizations made are consistent with some sort of primitive language. One that would be almost impossible for a human to replicate. I'm talking about like this in all the... um, all the tapes too, because it's it. They determined like this is the same creature making these noises. It's like a set of different noises. Ron Moorhead has also stated that there is some information that leads him to believe that there are air sacs in the throat, which could possibly explain how the vocalizations could be so deafening. When you listen to this audio, you're going to have to take into account that they are a good distance away, and yet they sound like they're being made just a few feet from the audio recording device. Additionally, 
Some have speculated that these creatures could have up to seven vocal cords and can mimic sounds from other living creatures. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Grand Canyon University makes earning your degree possible with over 130 academic programs for traditional campus students with more than 80 bachelor's programs offered online. GCU provides you with the personal support you need from complimentary unofficial transcript evaluations within 24 business hours to scholarships, academic support, and your GCU graduation team led by your own university counselor. Find your purpose at GCU. Private. Christian. Affordable. Visit gcu.edu. So, Emily, I don't think I've said it out loud, but now I can finally say it. Given the foot imprint and then these wild, crazy, ginormous being, it is believed that these sounds are actually from the infamous Sasquatch. It's squatchy weather out. It is squatchy. Which, I'm going to be honest, I am... I don't, I feel like I'm so choosy with my beliefs. Like I have seen some things I can't explain or I've experienced some things that I certainly cannot explain in my life, which we have definitely done a deep dive in, in even just the first few episodes, like the whole alien thing. And then when we were in Malhide Castle and I almost passed out, I was like, hmm, maybe there's something I can't quite explain. But I'm not going to lie, I've always been very skeptical of like cryptids like the Sasquatch. But now after listening to this and reading about it, I'm a little bit shook. I'm not going to lie in my beliefs. I might be a believer now. I don't know. And maybe this will change your mind too. I don't know where you stand on the Sasquatch, Emily. I feel like we have pretty similar, similar views. This this shook me to my core because I was like, nah, Sasquatch, whatever. The cryptids like this do not exist. It's like the Loch Ness monster. I'm, I'm like, mm. also like all the shows where it's like it's squatchy weather. Yeah, I mean, we're like probably guilty too because in our childhood we'd take like a video camera and go into the woods and we're like we're hunting for the Sasquatch, but it was like all kind of satire, which I think like I or think that it? kind of. I know. I think there is an element of truth now. I don't know. But for those of you who may not know, Sasquatch, or otherwise known as Bigfoot, is a hominoid creature that is said to lurk in the wilderness of North America. Sasquatch is described to be a bipedal, apish creature covered in hair, usually dark hair, standing anywhere between six feet and nine feet tall. Although I think most people describe him over six feet because that could be any basketball player. Yeah, I was going to say six feet is not like something to shake a stick at. What is it? Like the tallest human being is like seven foot something, right? Uh, I want to say yes. Yeah. Well, I guess if it's like a little baby Sasquatch and it's six feet baby tall. Sasquatch. Baby Squatch. Baby Squatch. Squatch. Baby Squatch. Baby Squatch. <laughs> That's going to become the new hit. Never forget. All right. 
Never forget where you heard it first, and that's us. <laughs> so additionally, the Squatch, Sasquatch, is described to have long arms, broad shoulders, like a linebacker, <laughs> and no visible neck. So it does actually, you know, look apish. Oh, we have a Squatch, squatch. in the room. Baby Squatch, do 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 is that my baby Sasquatch? Oh, yeah. It's my baby Squatch. Oh, my God. What is you her problem? I'm going to remix her and put it, like, three times deeper and be like, this is the Squatchy noise of baby Sasquatch. I want to hear it just like... Rawr. <laughs> 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 While sightings of the Sasquatch have been reported numerous times. <laughs> While sightings of the Sasquatch. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Squatchy weather out right now. Okay, come here. Come here, you dingus, because your auntie is falling asleep. Come here. While sightings of the Sasquatch have been reported numerous times, Little has been said about what it possibly sounds like. Whether or not the sounds captured by Ron, Bill, Warren, Louis, Donald, and Alan are in fact the Sasquatch, it still stands true that no known creature on this very earth can make these sounds. The audio I am about to play is from 1974, recorded by Bill and Ron from the shelter that I had brought up earlier. There are two creatures communicating roughly 60 yards away across the creek, and that runs uh, by the campsite. So keep that in mind that it's not a few feet from the recording device. It is 60 yards away. So ready? Okay, ready? Yep. Three, two, one, go.
Yeah, it literally sounds like they say bonsoir. Bonsoir. It's a Frenchman. Which, this has honestly, <laughs> um, excuse me, this begs the question because why do I feel like when the the Sasquatches are talking to each other, it sounds like they have an American accent. It's like, do do Sasquatches have a regional accent? Like, like a, you know, like a Parisian Sasquatch? Like they have like a little Parisian accent? Maybe. Maybe it's like the... The North American Sasquatch sounds like a French Canadian and someone from the United States had a baby. <laughs> but, like, why does this Sasquatch sound like Rush Limbaugh? <laughs> oh, blah. <laughs> the Sasquatch literally is so aggressive. I feel like it sounds like Rush Limbaugh in his heyday. It literally sounded like a loon and then straight up like a human being yeah but the fact that they were 60 yards away roughly like they're somewhere down around there when they were recording this i mean like even still like even if it's a human being close by it just it doesn't sound natural you know so spooky (laughs) yeah it's like I don't know. It's like really unsettling to me too because it makes something that does not sound like a human being can make that noise at all. Granted, that is like the most human-like noises they make and that's why I'm so unsettled because if you listen to any of the other tapes, it's like whistling but not like through your lips. It's like whistling through your vocal cords is the noise they make. And then they do some like inhuman chatter and like a lot of like grunting and gibberish kind of like that but like it's so much faster it's like it's it's unsettling it is so unsettling so i highly recommend going to ron ron moorhead's website and then please just go check out those audio pieces because they are just they're unsettling on so many levels if you want to be like yeah if you don't want to sleep well tonight, I recommend it. But yeah, that is the Sierra Sounds. I am so unsettled. I'm really uncomfy. Um, but real quick, I just want to hear your thoughts. Like, do you think that it's possible? Because I have no explanation for that, for what we heard. To be honest, I feel like Sasquatch is just such an ingrained part of our culture that I feel like in terms of cryptid, it's like one of the most well-known. It's been around for a while. I feel like it's there's got to be some sort of truth in there. Mhm. And I'm I'm trying to def- I'm trying to sorry, I'm trying to figure out the extent to which. I wonder too because they're so elusive. Like it's obviously a very smart creature in the fact that it will you know, allegedly break cameras. It will evade any sort of firelight 
it will survey the campsite until everybody is out of sight, out of mind, and then go in for the food, possibly. Mm-hmm. Um, like, it's a very smart creature. And then also, you know, how the linguist had said, like, it shakes the very belief that we are the only creatures of our kind that are able to have, like, language, like yeah. conversations like you and I like you know derive meaning from what we say and what you know to like make an assessment about the world and then communicate that whereas this kind of shakes I mean like if you listen to all the tapes it kind of shakes your belief in that thinking yeah maybe there is something else out there that actually is able to communicate that's like a hominoid sort of creature you know yeah in a very like in a more complex way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. Like, it's completely different. And, you know, like, I know after many a years, they, you know, the this creature stopped coming around that campsite. I kind of wonder if it's like, it's kind of like there's only a few of them out there. And so, you know, they, they moved on. But it's like any sort of creature that is... Um, endangered mm-hmm. like they're so elusive they're hard to capture on camera on video on whatever i like kind of wonder if they're that case true so emily on that note with so many s's what case do you have for us tonight <laughs> i don't really like i'm comfortable sharing this one i don't know why this this freaks me out the most out of any story we've done this one makes I'm so me excited. most uncomfy. Because um, you're I, claustrophobic or you're... Yeah. Uh, okay, are you ready? Yeah. Are you sure you're ready? I'm ready, ready. I'm doing the Nutty Putty Cave Accident. Oh, I hate this. I hate this one so... I hate, I hate the Nutty Putty. I hate hate this oh i hate cave diving this one makes me the most uncomfortable i've ever been in my entire life it's horror it's horrific it's horrendous it's every h word horrible um hell (laughs) it is hell honestly it is what is that one what is that one like the descent or something that one like cave uh oh yeah the descent and they have like is that the, no. the descent? Which one's the one where they have like the scary, like the little creatures below, and then they get like stuck, like diving down into these caverns? You know, I think that's the, the descent. Yeah. Um, isn't the one about the catacombs just called the catacombs? Or am I no, stupid? I think there's another one. Well, I'm uneducated. That's okay. Anyway, like I'm coming from this as like I don't, I don't. I'm not a spelunker, which I love that name, spelunking. Do you know, do you know that comes from a Latin term? Yes, because you and Susan would bring it up all the time. (laughs) And yeah, because when we studied Latin in the, um, the Aeneid, it was kind of used as a euphemism for the fact that people for were like fornicating. <laughs> they were fornicating. They were spelunking, They're spelunking and or fornicating. She was going time. cave diving. Oh. Well, in a cave. It was very meta. 
How clever. Yeah. Um, anyway, I'm sure this story already has a lot of press, so people already know a lot about it. Um, but for those of you who don't, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so, so sorry. I'm really sorry. This is probably one of the most horrendous stories I've ever read in my entire life. And I've been really obsessed for some reason, because I am very claustrophobic. I have become lately very obsessed with cave accidents. I am so claustrophobic to the point where, like, we built snow forts and I couldn't even enter them because I was so scared. But I have gone into the catacombs and not not the usual one. Um, I have been on my hands and knees and that's about as, as far <laughs> as I go. That was not fun. <laughs> I can't imagine it. Especially would. when you're, like, the third person in in like a line of nine and you know that like you can't turn around and you have to wait for everybody to back their ass up and you're like kind of like army crawling a little bit not fun uh let me just jump right in and say that nutty putty cave is located in utah the wild wild west so it's located near utah Utah lake west in the records, it says that it was first explored in 1960, um, which, you know, that's probably the first recorded exploration, to be honest. Um, and this cave is very famous for its very tiny, and if you could guess by the name of the cave, Nutty Putty, um, that is a little bit slippery. <laughs> Ew! Isn't that gross? But basically, it, it's got this clay in there uh, that makes it rather, like, slick. So that is why it is deemed Nutty Putty Cave. I just think of Nutter Butters, and it makes yeah. me hungry. God, I could go for a good Nutter Butter right now. But unlike Nutter Butter, Nutty Putty Cave is a hydrothermal cave. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, I guess the length of it is about 1,355 feet. So, you know, it's pretty good, actually, if you think about it. So this cave is, like, super popular with tourists, um, but the problem is it's gotten uh, quite a bit of press and has been rather problematic And uh, because of those tiny passageways. So people have gotten stuck in the past to the point where they did have to shut it down for a while until it changed ownership. So... The different parts of the cave that people got stuck got named these really unfortunate names, uh, like the Birth Canal, oh, Aorta Crawl, and the Scout Eater because a scout got stuck in that passage. Like a Boy Scout or just yeah. a Scout Scout? Yeah, because they would take Boy Scouts in. in. Oh, I hate that. I know. And when you look at a map, it's even more disturbing. <laughs> thinking how big the cave it is. But there's also... Now. I know. The bowl that's... Vile. That's going to be one part of the story. Uh, no. Uh, a very brief part. But, um, so, so there's a lot of sections of this cave that aren't explored and should not be because they are way too narrow and no human can possibly fit in there safely. But that's besides the point. Anyway, so as you can imagine, this cave is rather problematic, and we're gonna just dive right into the story. Uh, so this is the story of John Jones. Aww. 
I know. He was 20, he was 26 years old. Does that, that one hits really hard. I remember, like, when we started this tune, I was like, eh, like, whatever, young 20s. And now I'm getting older, and I'm like, 30s are young. <laughs> I know. Oh, honestly, like, I think any age, I'm like, you still have so much life to live. Oh, my God. Well, I work in geriatrics, so that's, like, somebody was like, oh, yeah, he passed away when he was, like, 72. And I was like, that's young. And they're like, what? (laughs) John was not a noob, to be honest. He actually had, well, quite a bit of caving experience because his dad liked to take um, him and his brother, Josh, on caving trips all over Utah when they were younger. So when he was a kid. Wait, so it's John and Josh? I know. There's a lot of J's. It's a a lot like the Oh. John actually, I mean, I talked about his brother, Josh, but John actually had a lot of other siblings. So... (laughs) It's a lot like the Duggars. He came from a family of five boys and two girls. Wow. Yeah. And if you couldn't tell, his family was rather religious, so he was a devout Christian. But John, so John was Christian, and he had this unwavering faith in Jesus Christ. And I feel kind of bad that we were talking about, blessed be thy friends. <laughs> So, as I mentioned, John was 26, and at the time he was studying to be a pediatric cardiologist. It's also going to be a little ironic later. So it's a really tough profession, as we mentioned, but he also had just become a father recently. Yeah, isn't that sweet? And he was going to be a father for the second time because his wife was pre- pregnant. Um, but I was saying, like, a little pediatric cardiologist hits close to home. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. I didn't even think about that. I feel really dumb. Yeah, you should. You're a little twin. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> That's my privilege. That's my privilege. And check your privilege. Your, yeah, your heart typical. Your cardiotypical. I am cardiotypical. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah, no. For those of you who don't know, I had open heart surgery when I was a baby. (laughs) But we're going to go right into the accident. Uh, So the story begins in November of 2009 when John and Josh, who had gone spelunking in their childhood with their dad, decided that they would pick it back up and they decided that they would go to Nutty Putty Cave to begin their conquests again. Okay, I think it's also important to note that at this time, um, because of its notorious past of people getting stuck in there and it being so dangerous, that, and the cave also came under new operation, that they they could only take a few people in at a time. So it was limited access. Just important to note that that gives you an idea of how dangerous Nutty Putty Cave is, despite the name. So this was on 8 p.m. on a Wednesday, which also freaks me out because that's rather late in the day to go spelunking. It's a casual Wednesday. Yeah. (laughs) So in their group um, that were granted access to Nutty Putty was nine friends, and that's a rather large group um, by, I guess, caving standards. I'm not an expert, so don't quote me on that. But it does seem rather large. 
given how narrow Nutty Putty is. But the problem, like, uh, the thing is, when you go through the entrance, there's two directions that you can go. And they both open up into larger caverns, but then get nar narrow again, give or take. <laughs> yeah. So the further you go, sort of the worse it gets. Shucks. Yeah. <laughs> they were in there for about an hour, I would say. And they went into the largest room in the cave, which is called the Big Slide, which you can get by guessed by Nutty Putty and the clay-like uh, texture. That sounds fun. I know, it does actually sound really fun. It makes me think of uh, a current, like a, a, a fair. Yeah, well, the big slide is is okay. It's fine. It's a larger, a larger cavern. But it's when a couple of friends and John and Josh wanted to explore the more challenging sections of the cave. Namely, the section called the birth canal that I mentioned before. Ew! Where, yeah, the thing is, like, it it gets to the point where you, like, cannot really get your arms underneath you. Like, it it's so narrow, Andrew. Like, you cannot. It freaks me out when it's so narrow you can't turn around. And this section is literally like a body tube. It's horrible. Ew, and you're just wriggling away hoping you don't get stuck. But you can't even move your arms? Ooh, I hate it so much. Yes. Um, Ew. <laughs> uh, another important fact, I think, that I should mention, given the fact that John and Josh had been doing this, doing this since their childhood, John was not a child anymore. He was actually a six-foot, 200-pound man. So... Him going into something called the birth canal is not, I wouldn't say comical, it's horrifying. I mean, unless you're like 10 pounds and like long, I'd be skeptical. Unless we're shaped, unless you are literally a pencil. Mm hmm. I do not want this for anybody. Yeah. But anyway, uh, so they decided to, to press on into these narrow narrow passageways to find the entrance of the birth canal. So I guess the story, there's some, it's not super clear whether he made it to the birth canal or if he took a wrong turn or if he actually missed the, the entrance to the birth canal entirely and went into what's called Ed's Push. Uh, isn't super clear. But what you do need to know is that John was leading the group and unfortunately made the mistake of instead of when you go down a narrow section, going through feet first, he went through head first, which is what you should not do. No. No. Yes. So he was inching forward, inching forward, and keep in mind it is so narrow. Emily, I am upset. <laughs> yep. So so he's crawling forward and unfortunately this section makes a very sharp downward turn and he is going down that head first. Even going feet first? Absolutely not. Especially when you know you have people behind you. That... Oh. oh my god. Oh my god. Oh, I, picture that I'm... for a second legitimately just got so uncomfortable in a physical way that I cannot describe. I feel it in my ribs. Like, oh, 
like I feel this. I like- just feel it in my entire body is in like like a, a full body panic right now. Like I know. <laughs> I am just imagining this and it is giving me anxiety. So John it made a, a downward turn and John thought that also unclear why he kept going. Um but unfortunately he pressed on until it was too late. Yes. Uh, I should say also about Ed's push. I believe if it was Ed's push, um, it isn't a, it's an uncharted passageway because all of the ends of the passages are too small for actual humans, let alone a six foot, 200 pound man. And similar to Scout Eater, the reason it was named Scout Eater is because a scout had previously gotten stuck in there and that is a small boy. And neither of these passages lead anywhere. Unfortunately, John had decided to wriggle down a passage that went almost straight downwards. And because of that angle, he could not turn back on his own. And to make things worse, oh my god, (laughs) oh my god, I've read so many stories of this, and this is coming straight out. I've... I've read so many stories about this and it's coming straight from memory and it's horrifying is the fact that he thought he could unlodge himself uh, if he took a like big breath in and out and like push all of the air from his ribs but unfortunately because of the angle it gravity pushed him down further so it was even tighter and he couldn't even get his arms out from underneath him anymore they were trapped underneath his ribs that's like when people get stuck in chimneys and then they try and scream and they take a, a deep breath and then they get lodged and then they can't. So uh, this is described the, the size of the opening as a front-loading washing machine, except like it's not, not shaped like a perfect like round. Of course, if it was a perfect round tube, it might be easier for him to move, but unfortunately it was like jagged and he got stuck yeah. in the very tight spot of that opening. Uh, and so obviously in that position there was nothing anybody could do his it, also his brother tried to pull pull him out and he managed to get him up like maybe an inch but as soon as he managed to get him up like as soon as he let go john went right back into the crevice probably tighter too right yeah and unfortunately gravity was working very hard against him so like i said they were they were very religious so they said a prayer and josh realized that you know they were in a pickle there's nothing anybody could do in that situation to help them so he decided that he would turn around and hurry out as fast as he could to go get help but unfortunately it was a very tight passage and trying to get back out you have to like wriggle oh my god reeling like backwards out to go get help <sighs> so once he was out he, man- he managed to go find help to go get to go help get John while the friend stayed to keep him company. I don't think people realize, you know when, have you ever been stuck upside down for a little bit and you know you get that head rush? I mean, I haven't been stuck, but as a child, I used to like hang upside down and you're like, oh my god. And you know you get that headache and stuff? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's because your your heart is working, (laughs) your heart is Okay, I guess, like, your heart is not meant to pump blood from your body when it's upside down and pump blood from your brain, which is a very vital organ. (laughs) Um, And it works extra hard when you're hanging upside down. So it puts a 
ton of stress on your heart when you're stuck in a position like that. So it's actually very dangerous, which I did not know, and it freaks me out. So we're going to go into the rescue mission. The first person... Oh, okay. Shout out to Susan, because her name's Susan. It was a, a local... Um, I guess she was a volunteer rescuer. So she rushed to the scene, and... Like I said, they went in around 8 p.m., so by the time that it took the, it was about an hour before things went wrong, so that's about 9-ish p.m., so she arrived around midnight, which gives you an idea of maybe how long it got them, or took them to get out and get help. So it had been over three hours since John had been stuck. Oh, Upside down. Unlike John, Susan was rather small and... (laughs) and could easily and was a little more agile not to say that john was not experienced because he was but just given his size you know and and in that sort of case cave system you know they're going to navigate it a little bit different differently so the source from cave haven meant or cites their their conversation that they had which also just adds a lot of humanity to the story and it it makes it really sad but I can read you the the conversation that they first had when Susan reached John. Mm-hmm. She said, hi, John. My name is Susie. How's it going? And he said, hi, Susie. Thanks for coming. But I really, really want to get out. Mm-hmm. I know. So it took another few hours to get more and more rescuers to help with the mission. And seeing how he was stuck, they devised a plan so they had thought of almost every everything you can imagine. They thought of lubing the walls of the cave. Yeah. Uh, I know, I know, which is already so slippery. But there's also sections that are a, a lot harder. So that's what makes the cave a little bit dangerous is there's some, some places which are really soft and some that are harder, so it's a little bit difficult to tell. And as the team devised a plan, they tried drilling away a bit of rock around him, um, but the position was really, really difficult because it was awkward, and because he was so, you know, the way he was wedged, like, basically upside down, uh, and so they only managed to get through a couple inches, and only his feet were visible to rescuers, and the ceiling above them was too low, so they couldn't just pull him out, they decided, because they couldn't reach in and, and grab his feet and pull him out, was that they would try a pulley system. So they anchored these pulleys into the walls of the cave. But keep in mind, as I mentioned, the cave, I mean, it's nutty putty. The cave itself isn't maybe the most stable system, but they were going to try it anyway. So as they're hatching this plan, unfortunately, John was not doing so well because he had been stuck upside down for hours. And he was in a very compromising position that was very tight, and he was basically almost upside down. So, like I said, in your in that position, your heart has to work, I think, almost twice as hard. And he was also, the, the realization of his situation was setting in, so he was dealing with, with the panic, uh, which was really difficult to deal with. And I, that definitely resonates with me. And I, I don't know how he managed to stay calm for so long. So, <laughs> oh my god, the story just hurts. Uh, 
while they were working to get him out, uh, they also managed to get a radio into the cave uh, so that he could speak with his wife. She was actually, she arrived at the entrance of the cave and they were, they managed to talk to each other, but obviously it was a really tense situation. So, you know, they managed to comfort each other, but it's also, no one's going to be feeling great in that life or death situation. Oh my God. (laughs) So it got to the point where John had been trapped upside down for 19 hours. Excuse me, but how? Yep. So, (laughs) as I mentioned, he was stuck upside down for 19 hours, and they finally managed to finish installing their pulley system, which, keep in mind, they're in these narrow tunnels that one person can fit lying down. So, to get a pulley system installed is going to take them a shit ton of time. And only one person can access his feet, and looking at it, Holy shit, Andrew. 10 inches. What? He, his feet were sticking out of a 10 inch hole. <laughs> what? 10 inches? I believe that's what it is. It was a weird shape, so if you see it, you kind of understand like how he got like wedged down there. Oh, God. So, things were looking better. They finally managed to install this pulley system. And unfortunately, the, unfortunately, from his position for a long time and the fact that blood was pooling in his brain and lungs, John was not feeling great. He was actually in a lot of pain. But there were eight men that were pulling him up. And because of the, the position, as well as the fact that he's been stuck upside down for so long, they kept pausing to make sure that he was doing okay so they didn't put too much stress on his already stressed body and so each time that they they managed to pull John was raised just a little bit more and so they had managed to lift John high enough and he could finally see the rescuer who was closest to him the the rescuer that looked you sound so sad. I'm so the scared. Rescuer, the rescuer that looked that was closest to him said that he looked very tired and his face was dirty and his eyes were red, but he seemed relatively given to the situation okay. And so again from Cave Haven, here's the, the conversation between the two. So the the rescue worker says, How are you? John says, It sucks. I'm upside down. I can't believe I'm upside down. My legs are killing me. And despite John complaining, he had a smile on his face. They decided to to take a break from pulling John up because obviously it was taking a lot of effort and taxing on both parties. But he was almost there. He was almost there. Unfortunately, when, when they were pulling John up for the fourth time, the entire team was thrown, I guess not thrown backwards because they're in this tiny-ass tunnel, but the rope was, felt like it was cut in their hands and all their efforts, you know, were basically lost. And the closest rescuer was hit in the face so hard that he passed out. When he finally came around and the dust had settled, unfortunately the stone arch that they had propped the rope over was broken. No. 
I know. And he was trying to figure out where the hell John was because they almost had him up. And unfortunately, unfortunately, in the chaos, he realized that John, which they had almost had him out, had slid right back down into the crevice. And this time with more force than he originally got stuck in there and seemed to be wedged even deeper. The first rescuer had been hit so hard with the tools that they had used um, on the ropes that he actually had to leave the the rescue efforts um, to be tended to. It's also important to note that John's dad had taken part on the rescue team, and his dad was the one that had to switch places with the, the first rescuer. So he was the one dealing on the front lines with his son's res- or rescue. <laughs> John had been upside down for, I don't know, well over a day. When his dad reached him, he realized just how dire the situation was because John's breathing was very, very low. So realizing just how dire the situation was and the fact that John was no longer responding, he desperately crawled into that tiny ass crevice that I said like nobody can fit in to grab his his feet and managed to get himself stuck because he was trying desperately to get a, a rope around John. And he made every effort. He had drilled another hole for the pulley, um, but unfortunately all of his efforts uh, had made him so exhausted that he had to crawl out of the cave and be replaced by somebody else. So this new person was trying to make contact with John, and again he wasn't answering, and they realized he probably needed some medical help. So a medical professional had crawled into the cave. I can imagine, can you imagine being a medical professional and being like, hey, (laughs) we need you to spelunk and get into this tiny ass crevice that you can't move around in. So, okay, so they had gone in at 8pm on the 24th of November. So after this medical professional went in at midnight on the 25th of November, basically over a day later, John was pronounced dead. I'm really upset. His body just couldn't take being stuck upside down for that long. For 27 hours. And this really, this rescue really, really stuck with the team. And it scarred a lot of them. And they said it was, some of them said it was the toughest rescue they've ever seen in their many years of working on on the team. And basically immediately after John was pronounced dead and the fact that nobody could rescue his body... They realized that Nutty Putty Cave was way too dangerous and too difficult, and they they believed that it would be best to mark it as the final resting place for John, and they decided to close it permanently and seal the entrance so that it becomes his tomb. And he rests in the cave to this very day. I hate it so much. It's the worst for me. I'm, I'm straight up upset. I am sorry. <laughs> well, Jesus Christ. Well, cheese and rice. The the wafer of Jesus. This has been a heavy episode. So, Emily, do you have any palate cleansers in which you would like to grace us with? Oh, boy. I was... <laughs> Like I told you before, I had to go back through our messages because I was like, oh, I'm nothing. Like, well, honestly, like, I don't know, my week is literally like I just work 
eat and sleep and try and survive. And then I read through our messages and I realize like a lot more happens. Um, but one story is like uh, from the picnic that I had on Sunday. Oh. <laughs> a, oh. A, I got iced. A. A. Um, be like, obviously, you know, when you're like out in, in the park all day, chilling with friends, at some point you have to pee. You have to use the toilets. Use the public toilets. Use the public toilets in Paris. And we thought like, okay, you know, it's not going to be like super clean, but I'm, I'm like, okay, I'm thinking to myself, oh, I've, I've shat in the woods. Like I, how bad can it be? And so we're waiting in line and you know not much phases me and we see like people like holding up their shirts to their noses you know like trying desperately not to smell something and like also they're doing this like little dance like literally like leaping back and forth across the tiled floor trying not to step in step in something and so we look down and oh my gosh it's gonna be so gross (laughs) To the untrained eye, it would seem like a straight-up chocolate milkshake because that's honestly, I've never seen anything in my life. I've never seen a turd in my life that looks like a chocolate milkshake. Literally Hershey squirts. The consistency of a chocolate milkshake. But it's not a chocolate milkshake. I'm so upset. Oh my word. I've never seen anything like that in my entire life. I'm... I've seen some weird, I've had some weird poop stories, but that is the weirdest one I've ever, ugh. It's not really uplifting, though. <laughs> it is wild. I can't yeah. say that it's uplifting. The other one, though? Yes. Okay, so my roommate and I, we have, like, our different shelves in the refrigerator, and occasionally when she's feeling really nice, she'll she'll like put stuff in my like on my shelf or in my little drawer uh which is really sweet but anyway it's been like probably a month and this one bottle of wine has been sitting in my drawer and so I'm thinking oh maybe it's the kind she doesn't like I I might as well open it and I did I did I was making dinner I think I was making pizza or something you stupid I was feeling myself, you know, it was a good day, it was a long day, and I thought, nothing would be better than just a nice cold glass of wine. So I pour myself some wine, and I take a sip. Oh my god, is it delicious. I, I, I feel like we're pretty open and honest that we are not wine connoisseurs, we just like drinking it, but you know when you can tell when it's a fucking good bottle of wine. So to my horror, I try and look for the vintage. And it is 2015 and it's from Bordeaux. <laughs> and I, there's that like theory. You know the theory of the years that end with fives, Andrea, for wine? Anyway, that held true. <laughs> I panicked. I was like, this is not meant for me. You're like, I, yucky pants. <laughs> I like poured the, the rest of the, the wine that I had taken a sip from, I tried to pour it back into the bottle and I stuck the cork back in as far as I could. You stupid girl. It's been like two weeks and it still hasn't been touched. Anyway. 
I know. No one's broken into the mine. I feel like I should. I should just go back. Yeah, you might as well at this point. If nobody's touched it, nobody brought up anything. Just sitting there. I don't know. But it was so delicious. I dream of it to this very day. I mean, go for it then. Hey. Do you have a palate cleanser? I do. Mine's a little brief. But I, as you probably know, because I told you, I think on several different occasions, um, I forced our sister-in-law to go to one of my very favorite true crime podcasts, Sinisterhood, last night. And that will probably tell you whenever this episode releases how long it takes me to edit these days. But it was so much fun. They were so funny. I just was like tickled pink. I had the best time ever. But yeah, that's my uh, that's my palate cleanser. So hey, that's really fun. It was very fun. I wish I was there. Yeah, you do. But I'm just kidding. Um, on that note, Emily, shall we summon ourselves? Yes. Cause it's late. It's long. Give me that squatchy summon. We have had a very squatchy afternoon. So, Emily, on that note, we have an Instagram. At Grizzly Grapes. Yes, we do. We also have a Twitter, which is by the same name. At Grizzly Grapes. You bet. We have a Facebook page, which I'm not as active on, but still exists, which is our full name. Grizzliest Grapes. Blessed be thy fruit. It is <laughs> Grizzly Grapes Podcast. Yes, there you go. Um, we have a website, which if you can't find anything I mentioned tonight, you can look it up there, which is www.grizzlygrapes.com. We also have a Gmail, which please, for the love of God, I love it when people write us. We've gotten so many good suggestions, um, so much good input. I'm a huge fan. And that is... Grizzly Grapes. At gmail.com. I did not mess that one up. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) You were waiting patiently. I was. I was very patient. Um, We also have a Patreon. So if you feel as so kind and wonderful as our Patreons at the moment to join that is patreon dash com. thank you very much and we also have a merch store which is threadless dash com. so if you want any merch it's up there I am still so many months later waiting for Emily to send me just a drawing of cake <laughs> But here we are. One day. Cakeless and still Delaware claims to exist. So. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Is that everything, Emily? Did I hit everything? I think so. I think I did. I mean, it's been a while, but yeah. So, Emily, on that note, stay. Gerpy. Bye. Bye.
Sexual seduction. <laughs> it could be your thing. It could be. Maybe um, maybe that's how I make my money is I just I become the next Chuck Tingle. I can be Rhonda Dingle. <laughs> I forget that that's his name is Chuck Tingle. <gasps> the Dingleberry. It'd be Rhonda Dingle. Writing in Dingle. Working at the Dingleberry. Oh my god, yes. That's my when Brendan and I play Hunter Killer, my detective name is Rhonda Shartz. <laughs> So <laughs> that's where Rhonda came from. Speaking of yeah. that, just have a round of shirts. Yeah, I did. <laughs> um, wait. Okay. Can I just tell you? I mean, name? what? Oh, I just said. I can't talk today. Help. <laughs> <laughs> Learn how. Learn English right now, Emily, because we're going to have to speak. Fuck. Um,. So you, you know how my name on here is Fugly Slute? Yes. There's just like, there's this one artist that I found on Spotify, like, I don't know, a year ago that I like, and they're called Hell Slute. And that's all I can think of when I log in. That's a sexy hell time. Slute. Hell to the Slute. I want to be a Hell to the Slute. Hell Slute. That would be a fun band name. But instead, I'm a fugly salute. <laughs> that you are. Just kidding. Uh, um, are you ready to rock and roll? Hell salute. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what? Do you remember when we were shoveling and we gave each other like code names and you called me Oh my god, I forgot about that. Why do I feel like we've talked about this? Why are we so weird? I can't remember what yours was. Damn. I can't remember what mine was either. Well, if I decide to keep this in, guys. uh, (laughs) Emily and I used to have a chore of shoveling off the back and front porches. And then the walkway between the driveway and the back porch. And Which it was was terrible because it's like bricks that are always uneven, so you catch. Oh it. yeah, I remember that. Like, do you remember that that aluminum shovel that literally has been peeled? Oh, back? it was. It's it, got it curls. Felt, <laughs> it felt if you struck a brick or some sort of obstacle with that, it felt like the recoil on a rifle. <laughs> like it, it hurt so bad. It was just like. Especially if you're, um, like, leveraging with your hip. Oh, oh God, boy. yeah. Yeah, I just remember so many, so many t- so many sore shoulders. But it's, it was a kind of a, a grueling task for two young girls of our age. Just you make kidding. it sound, it I know really mom wasn't. and dad are just going to be laughing. I know. I mean, you can sound like we're in the gulags or something. I know. <laughs> I'm joking, but you and I still did not enjoy doing that chore no matter what. So we came up with code names for each other one time and I would call Emily plow meat. (laughs) I don't know why. I don't know why because, okay, the plows are really dangerous in like a really 
big snowstorm, and especially because they've got, like, a huge thing in front of them. They can't see, like, pedestrians super well. So, like, our parents would always warn us, like, you know, if you see a plow coming, like, run the f- the F away. The fook away. The f- fugly sloot away. Yeah. They're horrifying. They're huge. I had nightmares about plows. Oh, yeah, me too. Hey, we talked about nightmares last episode, too. <laughs> Just all about those nightmares. This is mm-hmm. a nightmare. You're my nightmare. Baby, I'm living in a nightmare. Baby, I am the nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> Baby, 